It's four o'clock. You're listening to Perfect Health on Elastic FM with Elaine Godley. And in the studio today, I have the lovely Nottingham herbalist, Catherine Bell Chambers. Let's get this show on the road. Wonderful start to the show. So welcome, Catherine Bell Chambers, also known as the Nottingham Herbalist. Welcome to the show. Thank you for travelling up from Nottingham today. It's lovely to be here, Elaine. Thank you very much for inviting me. So what is a herbalist? We have to start with that question. I don't think uh, a lot of people uh, appreciate that there are such um, professions out there as, as herbalists. So, so what is a herbalist? A herbalist, broadly speaking, is somebody who diagnoses and treated, treats ill health with um, plant-based medicines. So we use whole plant extracts rather than um, synthesised versions and we use those in a really focused way to improve somebody's health. So you diagnose as well as treating? Absolutely. I have, um, I have a four-year degree in herbal medicine, um, which also includes things like anatomy, physiology, embryology, um, pharmacology. So I'm trained in how um, pharmaceutical medicines work as well. So I'm trained in a way that means that if I give you a plant medicine, it's not going to interact negatively with the medicines from a doctor, for instance. Um, and I really understand how the body works, but also how the plants work on the body. So somebody comes to you with an ache or an itch or a rash or something. Mm. Um, how, where, do you, where do you start? Well, it depends a little bit on the severity of the of the condition and different people are looking for different levels of help. And I can do everything from um, create a cream for somebody based on, um, you know, natural oils, things like shea butter, cocoa butter. And I try and use plant oils where I can. I don't use um, I don't use pharmaceuticals and I don't use oils, um, you know, uh, petrochemical oils. But then I'll use a a plant-infused oil that will help with the itch. But sometimes I get people who have more serious problems, chronic kidney disease, um, cancer. I work a lot with um, with people who are having problems with fertility and women's health is something that, you know, is really central to my practice. And I'll pick herbs that have a specific effect for that person. It's very holistic. I'm treating the person that has the problem, not a symptom. So things like um, women pause, menopause even, menopause must be um, quite, uh, uh, that must keep you quite busy. Yeah, the menopause is, is a huge issue for many women. And very often the menopause itself isn't the problem, it's other issues that are going on like stress that are making these hormonal changes more difficult. So when we work with those, when we find out really what's going on in a person's life, we can treat them holistically. Do you think a lot of women uh, of a certain age think whatever is wrong with them is, oh, it's the menopause, without perhaps realising that there might be another condition? I don't think it's the women of a certain age. I think it's the medical practitioners working around them. I've had five women in the last year come to me with a diagnosis of menopausal cough. No, cough isn't a symptom of the menopause and we know this but because they were late 40s early 50s that's what this particular GP has been saying now I'm not sort of dashing all doctors I have great respect for the medical profession but um, I think there is a tendency to just brush stuff under the carpet and there's also this idea that people could only have one thing at a time 
So they're not looking any any more deeply at that. That's where I think the problem's coming from, rather than right. So from it, us. It, do you know if it was was the same doctor that gave all these women the, the I that do. diagnosis? Right. Okay. Obviously, we shan't mention any names. Um, we better get on with a piece of music now. So, uh, Blackberry Way, um, a song that you've just chosen uh, on the hoof because it's uh, it's very apt to what you do. Blackberries. You, 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 I presume you pick blackberries. As, oh, I do. Mm. Well, you've got all of those lovely blue pigments in in the blackberries which are really great for helping to strengthen our blood vessels and also the leaves are naturally antibiotic and if you scrape off the spines on the back of a blackberry leaf and put it on um, an infected wound it helps to draw out the pus and it's also really good for drawing out splinters. Oh, I needed that recently. I sure. The trouble is that you need to, to pick these and use these things fresh. I don't suppose you can keep them, can you? No, but you can freeze them. Ah, so freeze blackberry leaves mm. and then when you have anything that uh, needs coming out of you, um, just do, would you scrape the back off first you, or wait till you... Yeah, scrape the, sc- scrape the spines off because you don't want to be adding any more splinters to the problem. Right, OK. Um, and blackberry, blackberry thorns are quite, uh, quite intense. And the ends break off as well, so they get stuck in. So quite often when you're gardening, if you find that you have a splinter, it's come from a blackberry in the first place. Yeah. <laughs> well, they do say, don't they, that nature heals itself. On, for example, indeed. where there's a stinging nettle, there'll be a dock leaf, won't mm. there, usually? So uh, very good. So if you get if you get a thorn, blackberry thorn, you've got the blackberry leaf to, to pull it yeah, out. Yeah, exactly. How clever. And the um, there are some sort of mycobacteria that live on the back of the leaf that actually have antibiotic properties naturally well 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 learn something every day how marvelous okay here we go with the move blackberry way Hello, Granda Brian, if you're listening today and anybody else that's listening out there, welcome to Perfect Health on Elastic FM with Lane Godley. And today I have Catherine Bell Chambers, who is the Nottingham herbalist. So we were talking about uh, Mother Nature and blackberries and Mm. the fact that if you get uh, a blackberry thorn, you've got the antidote there in the back of the the leaf. Mm. Uh, You've got the um, stinging nettles, the antidote is the dock leaf. What else is there in nature that uh, springs to mind, Catherine? Well, talking about dock leaves, they are the dock plant is fantastically useful for uh, for all sorts of things. We use the root for um, people who have problems with liver clearance. So quite often if your digestive system's a bit off, it means that the liver isn't breaking things down so that you can get rid of them properly. And dock leaf really helps that to happen, a dock root as well. Ah. But if you want to use dock leaf or also plantago, known as ribwort or plantain, um, your best bet is to chew it up because the enzymes in your spittle help to release the things that will calm down the itch. Right. So when you say dock root... Yes. So you literally, I've, dig ne- up I've never dug, dug up a dock, dock leaf and seen the root. Is it a, like a bulbous type thing? or No, it's a it? massive tap root. Have you ever seen a dandelion root? Yeah. Oh, right. Okay. Yes. Yes. Yeah. We're talking like that. I mean, it can be as thick as your arm. Goodness. Um, and they contain these bright yellow constituents called berberines, which you find in a number of other, um, another of, I think there's some in... What do you call it? Dandelion. You also find it in Berberis, which is why 
berberines and quite a famous herb called golden seal, which is now really endangered. But yellow dock is our native alternative and it's a really fantastic herb. I use loads of it. Really? And where do you get it from? I mean, do you, do you grow it yourself in the garden? Is it round, round and about? Can we, can we see it on the oh, streets? Oh, it grows everywhere. You see it on the side of the roads. Now, one thing I would say is that if you're going to collect herbs, the side of the road isn't the best place to do it because obviously you're getting all of the um, pollution from the cars. So try and find somewhere that's a way away from a main road and make sure that you wash it properly as well. The other thing you need to watch out for is areas where... Um, animals go if it's a if it's a frequent dog walking spot probably not the best place to forage for your herbs indeed indeed so berberine um i often come across uh, berberine as a recommended supplement for people with cancer yes so they could dig up a dock leaf a, a dock root yeah and and how how would you, what would you do with it do you do you mash it up cook it um slice it scrub it slice it and dry it and then you can use it as a tea you can use it as a decoction and a decoction is where you um, simmer a herb you bring it to the boil and you simmer it for at least 15 minutes so it's at a higher temperature than it would be in an infusion which is where you just pour the boiling water over the top of the herb the other thing you can do is you can make it into an infused oil so you put the the sliced root either dried or fresh into oil and leave it on a sunny windowsill with the lid off so that the water can evaporate. If you let the water stay in, then it can go off and you can end up with with mould and and other unpleasant things going on in there. As the water evaporates, you just get the yellow constituents moving into that oil and you can use that directly, you know, over the chest for cough problems or over the over the liver area as well it's absorbed through the skin very good so um how did you get into this Catherine it's it's fascinating topic I've always been interested in the way that plants will help her health my mother was interested in that she was the most amazing gardener and she grew all, all of our vegetables when we were growing up and she's Dutch, but she learnt the common names of plants so she could teach us because it was her passion. So I grew up knowing that. And the very first hardback book I was ever given was the Observer Book of Wildflowers. And when you look at that, there's actually information... <coughs> excuse me. There's information there about the traditional medicinal uses. So when I was five, I was already starting to read about this stuff. And then when a friend died of cancer, I woke up one morning realising that it was important that I do something that I was really passionate about with my life. And herbal medicine was what I wanted to do. So so when did you get into this? How, how long have you been doing this? Because it sounds like the training is, is quite intensive. The, the training took me six years. Um, for a four-year degree and obviously I had to do um, A-level chemistry and biology as well and my background is actually in languages and arts so you know I had to start to think in a slightly different way and then I did a foundation course and then I did the university degree and I started doing that in my 30s and I qualified the year of my 40th birthday. Very good. And I was 50 last year so I've been in, in practice for over 10 years now. Excellent. So um, I've, I've learned 
tons already. I've got a page of notes here. <laughs> Fantastic. Really, really good. Um, let's have uh, some music. Peter Andre, Mysterious Girl, one of my favourite jolly, jolly songs. You're listening to Perfect Health on Elastic FM with Elaine Godley and uh, Catherine Bell Chambers, the Nottingham Herbalist, is with me in the studio. So, Catherine, let's um, talk about what people can do um, in terms of using things around them um, in their in their back garden, their front garden, their hedges. Um, what, what what kind of things are there that we can use ourselves? Well, the most obvious one is the dandelion. You know, most people regard it as a, a lawn nuisance, but actually they're beautiful flowers. They're these lovely, rich, yellow buttons. But the whole plant is edible. You can, you know, a very simple thing to do if you've got a nice clean patch is to pick the leaves and add them to a salad. They've got a lovely bitter, bitter flavour, which helps support the liver. They're naturally diuretic. So if you suffer from swollen ankles... <coughs> If you suffer from swollen ankles, they'll help the body flush out the ex- extra fluid that it's holding on to. But it supports the levels of potassium. And most diuretics that you get from the doctor, thiazides in particular, flush out minerals and these help to maintain the levels. Brilliant. Um, I have dandelion root coffee um, Brilliant because stuff. I don't have uh, every now and then I'll have a, a, a proper coffee, but um, obviously organic and, mm. and uh, you know, a nice coffee at home. But um, dandelion root, uh, some people call it tea, but to me it tastes like coffee. Um, I have it's that. always been called dandelion coffee. Has it? Oh, yeah. Somebody, a few people have referred to me. Do I do I have dandelion tea? I said, well, I've never heard of dandelion tea, but I well, take you can coffee. have dandelion tea, but that's made with the made with the leaves and you would use that as a diuretic so it's great for people who have problems with their kidneys or problems with their hearts okay so um, the root is a coffee and the leaves are the tea yeah. then right okay and the oh, leaves yes. are also a salad yes yeah how, how, how would you make a tea from from the leaves well you can use them fresh or you can dry them um if you've got them dried then a heap teaspoon to a mug of water pour on the boiling water, strain it before you drink it because it's just more pleasant that way. Leave it for sort of five to ten minutes and that brings out the flavours and and all of the water-soluble benefits. Excellent. As we came into the studio, um, you looked around the little garden at the back and you Mm. you found quite a few... um, well, you, you called them herbs. I, I would, up, up to now, probably would have thought they were weeds. But in my view, they're not. A, a weed is a wildflower. In, in, I, don't, I don't have weeds in my garden. I have a weed is flowers. a plant in the wrong place. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, thank or a, you. A, a plant where you don't want it. Yes. More to the point. Yeah. Because even if it's you know a beautiful dahlia, if it's growing smack in the middle of of the wrong thing in the wrong place, then it's it's definitely not helpful. It's not a weed, though, is it? A, a, a nice flower like, like that. But some of these, um, uh, what do you call the the pink things that we saw out the back? Um, really, really f- the, li- the tiny little flowers with mm, the beautiful. ferny leaves. Yes, um, Herb Robert. It's it's one of the geranium family. It's one of our native geraniums, and it's what herbalists would call an adaptogen. And adaptogens help the body deal more effectively with stress. They support the immune system. They're very useful for people who suffer from autoimmune conditions, and also, you know, if you have allergies, they can be really helpful as well. So, so what would you do with that? Would you make it a tea again? In, in well, it, it depends. I mean, you can you can 
eat the whole herb. You can make tea. Um, a herbalist would probably make a tincture, which is a combination of water and alcohol used to extract um, the benefits of the herb and use those in differing proportions depending on the type of constituents that the plant has. For instance, if you make a tincture with um, marigold flowers, if you use a 20% 25% extraction, then you get um, the parts of the plant that are really useful for helping the lymphatic system, so cleaning out toxins from the blood. But if you extract it in 90% alcohol, you get all the resin, so you get the antifungal benefits from it. Excellent. This is sounding far more interesting to me than, than buying supplements from um, household high street stores mm. and far more, um, far more useful and, and I'm sure far more efficient. So when people um, are doing their gardening, you mentioned um, when we were off mic just now about privet hedges. Um, yes, they're particularly effective at filtering out um, pollution from the roads. So if you grow privet hedges around your home, then the breathing air inside the house tends to be much, much improved. And also you can find that it reduces the amount of dust. Interesting. So is that, do you have to, to um, plant that you know, cl- close to your, your, um, your house or is it you know, garden, garden area generally? No, around the garden area. Will, will help. Excellent. So um, what other herbs um, could we, could we find um, sort of in our garden? Can you do anything with um, uh, mint, for example, other than mint sauce? Oh, mint's a wonderful herb. One of the things that it does is it helps the digestive system to break down fats. So people who take a mint tea often find that it will help with reducing cholesterol levels. Now, I should say at this point that reducing your cholesterol level isn't necessarily a great idea because cholesterol is a response to inflammation or tissue damage. And we've been sold this idea that having high cholesterol is necessarily a bad thing and that it is the cause of, cause of heart disease. Actually, it would seem that it's a natural healing response from the body. If you've got chronic inflammation and tissue damage in your heart, then you're likely to see more cholesterol because that's what most of your cells are made of. So, But if you've got too much of the, of the wrong kind of cholesterol, then that can help break it down and also if you find that you have trouble digesting fats for instance you have gallbladder problems then peppermint can really help with that as well and I also use peppermint and spearmint for people who have problems with PCOS where they've got more testosterone more androgens than you would normally see because that helps with the breakdown of androgens and the conversion into estrogen so PCOS that's polycystic ovary syndrome yes ovarian Polycystic ovarian syndrome. Polycystic ovarian syndrome is sort of misnamed because it's actually a complex endocrine imbalance. But because it's identified in women, it got shoved over to gynaecology because it was perceived as being all about the ovaries. But it actually has much more in common with um, insulin issues like diabetes. Mm, interesting. So a lot of young women who have this condition, they're perhaps bordering a diabetic. Yes, you'll find there's high levels of insulin resistance in people with PCOS. Um, the typical symptoms are, you know, increased hair growth, hirsutism, um, acne. 
which you see a lot of in teenage boys when they get that big burst of testosterone. And that's why you see women with um, with PCOS getting the acne. There's there's too much testosterone circulating. And that's where we would use the spearmint or the peppermint to help break that down a bit more and convert it to oestrogen. What's the difference between spearmint and um, peppermint? Peppermint's a lot bit more bitter and it has a peppery type of place behind it. It's almost hotter. Um, spearmint is a much softer flavour, but it has the same menthone and menthol, and but there's a slightly more thuyone in, in peppermint. And... I, I, I know mint's grown in the garden very easily for, mm. for you know for, for mint sauce etc. But spearmint is that something that grows naturally around? Most it? garden mints are spearmint rather than peppermint. Ah, um, you, that's the difference in the flavour. Spearmint's almost almost softer, but most of them are hybrids of one sort or another. You find you get peppermint more in hotter countries because you need the very hot sun to produce those secondary metabolites. Basically, the healing things in plants are the things the plant develops to protect itself. So they protect the plant and then they heal us as well. Fantastic. Brilliant. Um, The next song is going to be one that you chose, Uptown Girl by Billy Joel. Oh, yes. So uh, it's one of my favourites too. So thank you for choosing that. Uh, Why did you select it, Catherine? It's just one of my favourite songs ever. It's so cheerful and happy and... uh, my 15th birthday I got the album and I was just so pleased to have it but he's one of my favourite musicians here he is Billy Joel Uptown Girl so Catherine the Nottingham Herbalist uh, how how um, how can people find out about you where where were they um, where is your website Facebook etc I'm on Facebook as Catherine Bell Chambers the Medical Herbalist and my website is www.nottingham-herbalist.co.uk. Fantastic. So um, I support people with cancer, as you know, yeah. and um, I have to be mindful of the language that I use. Um, nobody apart from a medical practitioner can say that uh, they can cure cancer. You can't even say you can cure it yourself, um, which is preposterous, but there we go. So are there any rules and regulations around the medical herbal? Uh... Well, there are there are several things. Um, we've got the Herbalist Charter of 1516, which was instituted by Henry VIII, and that protects the right of the public to seek treatment from a herbalist. At the time, he felt that the surgeons were being were fleecing people and they were um, trying to hog the market. So he protected the right of people to choose folk medicine, and that's never been repealed. It's sort of sub, sort of followed up by the Human Medicines Act, and in 1968, the original Human Medicines Act um, protected the right of of qualified herbalists to practice, or more accurately, of person A to seek treatment from person B in a place that excluded the public and where medicines were um, made specifically for them, which also means that a herbalist is allowed to make their own medicines and we're not covered by quite the same regulations as pharmaceuticals. So we don't have to have a product license for something that is made individually for the patient, which is why if you're getting the right sort of herbal advice, you would be having a one-to-one consultation with a herbalist. 
But in uh, 2012, that was replaced by the Human Medicines Regulation and all of the protections and the regulations around herbs were translated directly into the 2012 Act. So what does that mean in English then? Translate that. What that means in practice is that a herbalist is allowed to treat people and is allowed to make them medicine. And that's that's legally protected. It means that we don't have to spend £25,000 on getting a product licence for a simple cream. cream, um, As long as we've got the right qualifications and it also means that we're sort of self-policing I'm a member of the National Institute of Medical Herbalists which is the oldest and the largest professional association for medical herbalists I think anywhere in the world I think the AMH the um, Association of Medical Herbalists in America um, may be slightly larger now Um, but the National Institute has always had a certain kudos within the profession. And you know that if you want to find a herbalist who has the right kind of education, experience, and is keeping up to date with medical science and the latest research into herbs, if you go to the NIMH, you'll find somebody who is of that calibre. And are there many herbalists in the UK? We reckon there's around... um, there's probably around 3,000 of us. And then there are people who um, would call themselves naturopaths who have herbal medicine knowledge. Okay. And are there any herbs that um, don't work with or work against pharmaceutical drugs? Yeah, there are quite a lot of, um, of herbs that are very effective but shouldn't be prescribed with certain types of drug. Um, one of the common ones is St John's wort, which is a great antidepressant. Traditionally, it's used for healing bruises and for dealing with nerve pain, great for headaches as well. But it speeds up the way that the liver clears out um, medicines. It speeds up the action of the liver, which means that some medicines will be less effective because they'll be left less in the bloodstream and it will last less time so for instance if you're taking um, hormonal contraception if you start taking St John's more you might end up with less of your contraception in the bloodstream which means you might be more likely to get pregnant also you shouldn't take it alongside selective serotonin up reuptake inhibitors drugs like um, Prozac um, because there's the possibility that you might get an increase in the amount of serotonin, which was caused something called serotonin syndrome, which can make you quite ill. There's lots to it, isn't there? Which is um, why it's important to go to somebody who has done the training that you've done. Absolutely. Or somebody who, um, there are a lot of much older herbalists that I think the oldest herbalist I know who's still practicing is 92. And, she was apprenticed to a herbalist when she was about 12 years old. So she's been doing this her whole life and she really knows her stuff. She might have different language to it than I do, but she really does know her stuff. And that's acknowledged by the likes of the National Institute because we acknowledge that her wisdom is is what modern herbalist's wisdom is founded on. I remember reading the Catherine Cookson series of books years ago and and they were always talking about uh, going and collecting the herbs for this and Mm. making tinctures for that and so on. Um, There's an awful lot of um, 
history around us and and um yeah I, I get really cross when you when you hear medics talking today about the uh, you know the the allopathic uh, world of medicine. It's only been around you know a hundred hundred odd years. How, yeah. how dare they you know tell people like you you know what they shouldn't shouldn't take and do and so on. I, I find it really annoying. But um, there is there is something to be said about the integrative approach. So taking the Definitely. best best of all. Mm. Um, so I I I. I um, I take homeopathy remedies and um, herbal remedies and um, I don't do drugs, but I have had treatment on the National Health Service. So I think if you can be open-minded and take a view that, you know, whatever is going to help to fix me, but actually take responsibility for for that um, and not expect to, you know, all pop a pill and everything's going to be all right. Absolutely. I was talking to a friend who's a herbalist the other day and she's also, she has an MSc in nutrition and she says that nutrition, the food we eat, the quality of the food we eat, is the basis of health. Herbs are kind of the icing on the cake. If you can't fix it with food, you need the additional nutrients from the herbs. But unless you address the soil, unless you address the quality of the food that you're eating, you're never going to achieve optimum health just by taking herbs or just by taking a drug. Health is is a global thing. It's about... It's about your mind, your body, your spirit, the food that you eat, um, the respect that you have for yourself, really. Absolutely. And there's, there's a, a big surge now of uh, allotments, aren't there? People growing their own. It's which wonderful. Is, it's absolutely fantastic. But I just hope that they're growing their own and, and doing it organically rather mm. than sprinkling the, the um, glycosophates on everywhere. Well, I have to say that the allotments where, where we have our allotment, um, whenever somebody new comes in... Um, all of the neighbouring allotmenteers will will go and politely inform them that glyphosate is not welcome. Good, good, <laughs> very good. Okay, um, we've got uh, Celine Dion and Tina Turner now. Simply the best. So, Catherine, um, what else can you tell us about herbs that uh, we can do ourselves at home? Well, you can start with the simple herbs that are available in your supermarket. Peppermint tea is great for helping with digestion. It's also smooth muscle relaxants, so people find that peppermint can often be really helpful, um, inhaled as an essential oil or rubbed on the temples for headaches. And in fact, when I had my second son, I had him at home, and the GP came to see me and I was having really bad after pains. And she brought with her a little bottle of, of good quality peppermint essence. And she just said, put put two or three drops of that in, in some water and see what happens. And I tell you, it unknotted those after pains like nobody's business. And also, because to a certain extent that comes out through the breast milk, that meant that my son wasn't getting, um, he wasn't getting colic. So that's, so for any... Um, new mother out there a baby with colic peppermint but it needs to be through the breast milk right do not give babies internal essential oils without the support of um, a clinical aromatherapist who is qualified and insured to give advice about internal medicine there's a lot of people out there who um, have a little knowledge and little knowledge can be a dangerous thing and essential oils are such powerful medicine they're wonderful things but a baby's kidneys are not equipped to deal with that. Did you study aromatherapy as part of your training? Um, it is part of my training, but I also studied aromatherapy separately. 
And what so we've we've discussed peppermint and things like frankincense. I, I take frankincense every day to help um, boost my immune system. Frankincense is an excellent oil, and for an adult, take a, a small quantity. That's fine, um, but it isn't something that you'd give you'd give to a baby. But also, a lot of people take frankincense water, so they'll boil granules of frankincense in water and take the and take it that way in some ways that's more absorbable because um the gut is better off with water absorb uh, with things that are dissolvable in water i didn't know you could get frankincense granules where would you where would you get those from well i get them from herbal suppliers but there are there are various places that you can get them from your herbalist may well be able to supply it for you well that's you and that would be me. I also, I make up capsules for my patients as well. So, um, for instance, my husband, when he was going through his, his cancer treatment, he was taking a capsule that I made up for him, which was 50% frankincense, ground to a powder, 50% very high quality turmeric, because they're both massively anti-inflammatory, and then a little bit of black pepper, because the piperine in there helps the liver break down the frankincense and the curcumin in the turmeric to a more absorbable type. That's um, the only thing that my um, specialist said when I had my stage four cancer four years ago. Um, she asked for a list. I had a teeny bit of chemotherapy and they asked for a list of all the, as my mm. daughter calls them, herbly burbly stuff I was taking. There's a whole list of supplements and different yeah. things I was doing. And um, the only thing that they queried, cannabis oil was on the list. They didn't mm. bat an eyelid about that. Um, it was a turmeric because turmeric apparently is a blood thinner. And um, they said not to have... Um, as much turmeric as I was having because if I got um, a scratch or an infection on chemo then my immune system would be uh, compromised even more so so turmeric it's um it's I was really surprised there is a theoretical interaction between um, turmeric and some of the blood thinners it's not so much a problem with warfarin because you each month you have, um, well in some cases each week if it's unstable, they um, test your in, international normalised ratio, INR, which is basically how fast your blood is clotting. And they should adjust your warfarin to the foods that you eat. You shouldn't have to, you shouldn't have to adjust your lifestyle to your drug. Um, but with the newer blood thinners, there's no way of reversing it and they can't adjust the the dose in the same way that they do with warfarin. So if if you're taking one of the newer blood blood thinners like clopidogrel, then you might want to think about whether or not you're going to take, take turmeric and see a, a herbalist about it. Excellent. That's I used to run um, cardiovascular health clinics uh, many years ago and mm-hmm. um, they're... That the, the the cloppy drug that you just mentioned, cloppy doggerel. Thank you. Um, that that wasn't around then, yeah. um, but it's it's it is a, a, um, a common one today. Mm. A lot of these drugs, um, I'm not sure how in 20 years' time these current drugs are going to be seen because yeah. when you look back, you know, drugs that were given 20 years ago, half of them aren't around now, are they? Well, no, that's absolutely true. Either we know that they're phenomenally dependency forming or they're actually really bad for you i mean now a lot of gps are even withholding things like ibuprofen for older people 
And we now know that you shouldn't give non-steroidal anti-inflammatories like ibuprofen to, to babies, and particularly not if they've got viruses like um, chickenpox, because they can, they can cause some fairly serious syndromes. And, and antibiotics, you know, common or garden antibiotics, yeah. they're not working as, as well as they used to do these days. And a, a lot of people get reliant on it. When I had my kidney, um, uh, I was born with a kidney disease that wasn't detected till I was about 21 mm. and then um, put on antibiotics yeah. and, and checked by, by private consultants every six months. Yep, fine, carry on taking the tablets. I was on a three-week rotating oh cycle goodness. and I was on them for 23 years. Mm-hmm. And and, I'm, and I know for sure that that's, you know, obviously gave me loads of candida and that mm-hmm. predisposes uh, people to cancer when they yeah. have, you know, such a, such a long regime. Um, but that was normal in those days. It wasn't considered sort of anything unusual. Absolutely. And it's the same for people who have um, their spleen removed or it's severely damaged in an accident. They used to be given these massive doses of antibiotics for years because, oh, you're not making... You're immune. You're not making immune com- complexes. We need to do this for you. Actually, we now know the body accommodates in other ways, and also the the whole business of um, having your appendix removed. The appendix is basically a library for your gut flora. So, if if you do have antibiotics or you have an illness that knocks out your your gut flora or causes an imbalance over time. Your appendix is there to repopulate your gut. But if you're either taking it, either having it removed, which is sometimes very necessary. I'm, you know, I'm not suggesting you don't have your appendix removed if you have appendicitis. But at one point, they were removing them almost routinely if there was an abdominal surgery as a protective measure. And those people needed their, they needed their appendixes. Um. I, I, I was just visualising uh, an appendix operation then, and, and my um, cesarean came into my my mm. head. What 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 can women who have cesareans take herbal wise to help um, sort of repair all the damage that's that's been done down there? Is there anything in particular that well, they can I take? would I would start with um, taking a four women probiotic, something contain containing Lactobacillus reuteri. Um, the great thing about that is that it it's one of the natural gut flora that that live in that area it makes it much more like much less likely that you're going to get urinary tract infections and also it can help prevent infections postoperatively also if the baby isn't born vaginally it doesn't get the mother's gut bacteria on the way through. Now, I know a lot of people think this is, is quite grim, but we're now finding that actually one of the best things you can do for a baby that's been um, been born by caesarean is to just wipe a finger around the mother's vagina and, and introduce that into the baby's mouth. Failing that, you want to start... When you start breastfeeding, that will help anyway because you're getting natural enzymes and bacteria through the mother's breast milk. But also you can put an infant... Um, probiotic on the nipple so that as the child is eating it's getting those beneficial bacteria that will help populate the gut. Interesting. Are there um, sort of um, typical uh, ailments that people come and see you with? I mean do, do you see a pattern? Do you have you know 50% of this condition and 50% of that condition? What, what I, think, do- I think the single thing I see the most of is menopausal symptoms. 
And I was one of the co-authors of the hen-picked book on the menopause, menopause, the, what's it called, menopause, the change for the better, um, which was giving women in, information about the menopause and how you can treat it naturally, but what what all your options are. I was really pleased to be part of that because that was, this is what's out here. Now you know about it, you can make an informed choice, not you must do this, because I don't like that approach at all. Um, So I see a lot of people who come to see me about the menopause, but actually it turns out the problem is something else. Okay, we're going to have a break now. We're going to have... one of uh, another one of my favourite songs, which you've kindly chosen, Nina Simone, "Feeling Good," and then we're going to go into an interview with um, Cros Crossley, which um, I did a little while ago. And uh, Cros had a, an interesting story to tell of how he went to Australia and he went there as a tiler and he came out a, a coach and <laughs> a very interesting, uh, entertaining young man. So um, we'll go on to that shortly. We'll we'll be back with uh, Catherine, uh, the Nottingham herbalist, uh, in a little while. Stay tuned. We're back in the studio now. You're listening to Perfect Health on Elastic FM with Elaine Godley. And I have the lovely Nottingham herbalist, Catherine Bell Chambers, in the uh, studio with me. So, uh, Catherine, we've gone through quite a lot um, uh, things people can do to help themselves, things that they can pick in their garden and mm. foraging in the hedgerows and so on. And um, stress and sleep are topics that uh, keep on popping up when with uh, people that I'm talking to lately they can't sleep they've always got you know worries on their mind like the last mm. last song always on my mind um if you've got worries on your mind are there any herbs that you can take um to kind of settle you to calm you down both in terms of sleeping and reducing stress well herbs are brilliant for both of those and there are two classes of herbs that I find really useful one is the nervines and they're ones that help the nervous system to settle and to reduce any sort of excess wiring going on you know that feeling you get when you're swinging from the light fittings by your teeth because you're so stressed nervines help to calm that right down and common ones are passion flower, California poppy, and um, oats, both oat straw and milky oats, either as a tincture or as a tea. Um, or you can buy tablets that contain these things. And they just really help to make you feel more relaxed. And then adaptogens are herbs that help the body deal more effectively with stress hormones. So it helps with the whole balance of, of your hormones. A lot of women who come to see me with, you know, problems getting pregnant or problems with the menopause or problems with their periods, actually, when it boils down to it, the problem is, is in fact stress because the building blocks for your sex hormones are the same as the building blocks for your stress hormones. But as far as your your brain is concerned, particularly the uh, the, the lizard brain, There is no difference between a modern day stressor like a rubbish boss, poor childcare, you know, terrible traffic and running away away from lions, tigers and bears. So it regards a stress hormone as a life saving protocol. So it sort of diverts the building blocks from making your sex hormones into making stress hormones so you can run away or, you know, and then you get start to feel the the build-up of those stress hormones because they don't get cleared out as effectively. 
And by using adaptogenic herbs, they support the immune system. They help you feel more relaxed. You feel more energized during the day. You sleep better at night and your body gets back into the habit of making sex hormones rather than making cortisol and adrenaline. That sounds like a good plan, but what what quantities of, of all of these things is important and I guess would differ for each person, wouldn't it? It does differ from person to person because one person who appears to have the worst stress ever will do really well on a cup of rose petal tea and a little bit of, of or adding oats as porridge for breakfast. Oats are an amazing nervine herb. Somebody else will need bucket loads of, of valerian just to be able to sit still in a chair. And it doesn't necessarily relate to, um, you know, how big you are or how strong you are. It's often down to your constitution and the other things that are going on in your life. So you can buy over-the-counter preparations and most of those are in, in pretty safe amounts, particularly in the UK, because we have the traditional health products reg- registration um, mark which is overseen by the Medicines and Healthcare Regulatory Agency. But if you want something that's tailored to you, you really need to see a herbalist. I'm surprised to hear you call oats a herb. I thought oats were a grain. Well, oats are... Hmm. How do I put this? Let food be your medicine and medicine be your food. Hippocrates. Hippocrates. The thing is that very often... There isn't a difference. It's just how we're using it and and how we assign it. And sometimes using the oat straw as a herb is a great way of doing it. Sometimes just sorting out the your blood sugar with something that's got loads of soluble fibre, like oats, organic, gluten-free, obviously, is going to do the job. Because if you sort out your insulin balance, so you're not getting those sugar spikes, then you're going to feel more relaxed anyway. And you won't get that, that wired sense that you get when, um, when you feel overtired. Yes. And um, that's reminded me, actually, that um, I haven't done this for a long time. Every now and then I ha- used to have an oat bath. So I would put oats, oh, yes. um, giant, uh, what do you call those? Giant, jumbo oats. Uh, jumbo oats, yeah. So jumbo, organic, gluten-free, blah, blah, oats. Um, in a perhaps a pop sock yep. or the end of a pair of tights snipped off, tie a knot and then swish under the tap and you get a beautiful, beautiful oat milk bath. And, and it's lovely. so soothing. Yeah, great for the skin and just yeah. relaxing. It's really good for people who've overdone it in the sun. Um, anybody with eczema, right down to tiny babies. The only thing is, if it's not gluten-free oats, then you shouldn't use it for anybody who's got celiac de- disease or non-celiac gluten sensitivity. Absolutely. Yeah, I think I'll, I think I might do that tonight. Even. Oh, it's so soothing <laughs> and it just feels lovely. And that sort of milky bath. It, mm, beautiful. Yeah, pretend you're Cleopatra. Yes, yeah, I do. Yes. Have a glass of wine, a glass of red wine and an oat milk bath. Vitis vinifera. Marvellous. Yeah. <laughs> Marvellous for the health. Um, okay, your uh, second song, uh, Catherine, is The Millionaire Waltz by Queen. Um, I have to confess I've never heard this. And I had heard a little snippet while while I was uh, acquiring it, shall we say? And mm-hmm. it's it's a fantastic song. Why did you choose this one? It's one of my favourite songs ever. It's so cheerful, and it it speaks to me of summer days. And it's off their album Day at the Races, which fantastic. was a favourite when I was a teenager. Here we go: the Millionaire Waltz with Queen. 
What a great song choice. Thank you, Catherine. That's most excellent. I shall play that again. So um, we come to the end of our time this afternoon. Um, remind us how people can get hold of you, the Nottingham Herbalist, Catherine. You can find me on Facebook as Catherine Bell Chambers, the Nottingham uh, the Medical Herbalist. And my website is nottingham-herbalist.co.uk. But if you search for Nottingham Herbalist, usually I'm the first person that comes up. Brilliant. And um, I'm sure I, well, you know, I refer people to you anyway, but I I think I shall be, now I know a bit more about what you do as well. I shall be, uh, they'll be queuing up at the door. Oh, how lovely. Marvellous. Thank you for your time this afternoon. Thank you for joining me. My pleasure. I've really enjoyed it. Thank you. So, um, thank you for listening, everybody uh, who's out there, wherever you are in the world. Hope you have a fantastic week. I definitely, definitely will do. And whatever you're doing, be safe, be healthy and, uh, Let's finish with uh, Katrina in the Waves, Walking on Sunshine.